Fantasy football is back, and you don't want your team to suck. My favorite fantasy football punishment I've ever heard is the last place guy had to spend 24 hours in a waffle house, and every <laughs> waffle he ate was one hour off of his count. I want numbers. How many did he end up eating? 12 waffles in 12 hours. <laughs> I'm Danny Heifetz. I'm Danny Kelly. And I'm Craig Horlbeck. We host the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. To avoid eating 12 waffles in a waffle house, follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook as well as The Ringer and The Ringer Podcast Network where we finished the Gene and Roger narrative podcast last week. It was about Siskel and Ebert. It was excellent. It ran on the Big Picture Movie Podcast. Uh, and if you want to listen to all eight episodes, you can go search for Gene and Roger on Spotify. The playlist will come up with... Uh, all eight episodes, so you can check it out there. You should listen to your podcast on Spotify anyway. It's a better experience. Sean Fennessy is back on The Big Picture. If you missed that, new rewatchables coming on Monday night. Uh, the 20th anniversary of a movie called Hardball with Keanu Reeves is coming up, which has a very, very interesting legacy. And Van Lathan and I are going to break that down for you on Monday night. So... You can check that out. We have a bunch of Ringer Podcast Network announcements that we're going to be making this week. Looking forward to that. Coming up, this is part one of a two-part podcast. Joe House and I are going to talk about a little golf, a little Bryson versus Cantlay, and the whole Bryson era, as well as uh, we're going to do some NBA over-unders for you because the first wave of odds came out, so we're going to check that out. And then uh, part two, which is coming up a little bit later tonight on Sunday night, Warren Sharp joins us, me and House, and Sharp are going to do NBA sleepers and grenades, the teams that we thought uh, are great bets to either overachieve or underachieve. But really, we're just going to talk football. So this was so long, we had to split this into two parts. Part one is coming up with House. It's all next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Joe House is here. Sharp's coming up in a little bit. Uh, we don't have Drunk House tonight. We have uh, Buzz and Giddy Joe House. Yeah. Uh, 
We're going to do a little golf and we're going to do a little basketball and then we're going to dive into the football with Sharp. The reason we're doing a little golf is because golf owned the weekend today. Um, an unbelievable, whatever the F the BMW event is called, where, with the cars on the tees, which the I love. The BMW championship. Um, I was I was toggling between that, the Red Sox were going. Um, I was watching some preseason football and there was this Bryson Cantlay moment on the 14th where Bryson got pissy at Cantlay because he thought he was moving on one of his shots. So he said something and then it was on. And then we had one of the greatest back and forth, non-major things I've ever seen in my life. It went on forever. It was six playoff holes. Bryson choked, I don't know, five times. And then Cantlay finally uh, won it. House, best non-major thing that's happened in golf in the last couple of years? When was the last time we had something like this? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, best non-major. So we've had some decent moments over the uh, 20 months after the, the, the restart. I, I'm trying to think, you know, there's been a lot of guys that have come out of uh, nowhere, a lot of old guys winning on tour. But in mm. terms of, and, and there have been playoffs, like we've been on this incredible, unprecedented run of tournaments ending in playoffs over the like the last 10 weeks, 15 weeks on the PGA Tour. Um, but nothing where the stakes were this high and the players were this good. We haven't had a playoff of players of, of this stature, two guys inside the top 10 uh, in the world ranking, two guys um, that are definitely going to be on the Ryder Cup. They're going to be teammates. So well, this, and, and, then the level, and the level of pissiness that was involved. I <laughs> I did a rare tweet. I said, I, I after White Lotus, I hadn't seen this much passive aggressive jousting. And now this was like a White Lotus episode. It was great. <laughs> so, I loved it. Bryson I mean, was doing, Bryson was storming off the tee, right? As Cantlay was finishing his drives. And at one point it looked like he walked right over his mark on one of the playoff holes. So uh, there, they, they, there's all kinds of shit that doesn't happen in golf. I loved it house. There was gamesmanship for sure. And some of it I think has to do with Bryson's own desperation because he has not been good uh, in, in this situation, this season, really since um, the U S open, when he shot 44 on the back nine, he had a chance to win the U S open. He was right. in the lead or tied for the lead. And, um, you know, there's been a whole series of tournaments th this season where he's been in that position and shot not not great scores. I mean, he just uh, uh, has, has has spit the bit a little bit. Like, look at this. At the U.S. Open, he shot a 44 at um, in Memphis, uh, Verno's hometown. He had a chance to win. He shot a 41. That was like three weeks ago at the PGA Championship. He shot a, a 40. The Masters and the players, he shot. 38 all these are all in the back nine on sunday so man there's there's there well, and is, you can see it on his face too yes, that's the that's thing right you know now house today he did not choke though i wouldn't say i i the only shot that was come a choke on. was the chip on 17 the chip on 17 what was not what a, a professional does a professional golfer does the putts, so wait to recap for people listening who missed it Three holes after the little incident on 14, Cantlay hits the par three, hits in the water, and he's down a stroke. And Bryson is basically in the rough next to the green. It's a chip and a putt, and the tournament's over. That's a fact. He scuffs the chip. It goes, what, six he, feet? Yeah, he chunks it. It's a chunky. It's a 35-foot it's it's chip that goes six feet. 
it's I mean, he made it onto the green, but it's not what you expect out of prof- out of a professional and certainly not out of somebody that that is intending to go win a golf tournament. But he also gacked every single makeable putt he had. When so, it, I mean, he just didn't make any of them. He, he and he kept pushing them right. left. He had a bunch of opportunities to win the golf tournament. Now, if you are thinking of of being generous with Bryson, a lot of his putts hit the hole. It wasn't uh, <laughs> you, an you sound like you're talking about your own son making excuses for him <laughs> after some sort of youth sports event. It well, was Bryson, his putts hit the hole. I mean, they, they didn't go in, but they, they hit didn't, it. They didn't go in because there was a pace problem. And Cantlay, <laughs> yeah. to be fair to Bryson, had an all-time putting performance. In the history of the strokes gained putting metric, which they started tracking in 2004, Great that stat. was the single best performance in the history of the PGA Tour. He gained almost 15 strokes against the field by way of putting. That's that's literally unprecedented. And, and yep. you know, big balls on Cantley. That's all you could say. Big balls. He loved it. He was passive-aggressively tested by Bryson. And then it went <laughs> back and forth, and, and he pulled it off. So big picture with Bryson, because this is now, a, what, a two-year odyssey with this guy where he has become the most compelling character in golf, really at the same time that Tiger did his exit stage left for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, Bryson, to me, and it, look, I'm sure somebody else has made this analogy, but to cross sports, he reminds me of like Shaq in the early 2000s or something, this overpowering center went, but yet I'm in the last four minutes of the game and I kind of can't go to him. And it's just, you're watching it and you're going, how is this guy not destroying everybody? But there are all these other nuances to the game where in Shaq's case, he actually needed help, right? He got the help because he, you know, Colby would step up or somebody who could make a three, stuff like that. With Bryson, it's just you. And you have the situation that we had in the playoff hole today where it's the par 518 that I think they played four. four or yeah. par four. That yeah. I think they played four out of the six playoff holes. Yes. And he's bombing these drives, right? He's like, fuck it. I'm using my driver. This is the one thing I'm good at. He's bombing these drives. And even like his approaches weren't bad, but then anything around the green, it's the equivalent of like Shaq being fouled in the last four minutes. Like it, it's just this hole that in golf, I'm not, you know, look, he's in the mix all the time. I'm not saying he's, well, he's never like, he's clearly the most talented, everything, but all the little stuff that makes golf great. But it's a, at some point, it feels like this could sink him psychologically. Oh, well, I mean, we literally talk about Bryson DeChambeau and his psycho- psychology on every fairway rule. And over it's a the topic. like, literally, be, be, because it is so fascinating. He is so unprecedented. There is an innovation, an unmatched innovation that he has attempted over the last 20 plus months to reinvent. Um, his, you know, a, an approach to the game by conquering it with with length. And, you know, the the big question along the way was, OK, the length is one thing, but there's also a finesse element. He had the finesse element when he won the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. I mean, mm. he, you know, he was able to hit short wedges out of diabolical rough and then and then make putts. But the ongoing, you know, c- constant kind of of scrutiny is on his mental fortitude. And now I, I went through the numbers there in all of those significant tournaments over the last six months where he has not been up to it. And there's a bunch of of like just background collateral damage that's out there. A lot of self-inflicted wounds. He changed his caddy. 
He had the COVID that kept him out of the Olympics. He's talked about, he, 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 he took, had a take on getting vaccinated that seemed sort of out of step with <laughs> the majority uh, of thinking around the sort of, for a guy that's supposed to be science-based. So a lot of just, you know, his, he's trying to, to do the thing with Brooks Kepka uh, and has been on the, the receiving end of that. So, you know, it's, it's a fascinating um, study. He really is the most compelling guy. But, you know, it would be nice to get the W's along with it. If he had won today and validated what we've been sort of looking at in terms of, of quality of play, if, if, he, if he had, you know, clinched today and took back the narrative around being sort of a choker on the back nines of these things. Sort of. Um, you know, we, 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 it'd be a different story. He has another opportunity next week at the Tour Championship, though. You add it all up, and this is the best thing that's happened to golf in the last two years. Other For than sure. Mickelson winning the major, but that's a one one weekend event that comes and goes as great and as it was, as fun as it was. Short yeah. lived, absolutely. You, people move on the next day. Like to actually build, like if you think about this, almost like professional wrestling, they've been able to build this to build this Brock Lesnar type in seemingly invincible character that you can still kind of get. Can't lay the the that one par four that eighteen that they're playing over and over again and him being what was he thirty yards forty yards behind him, yeah. and yet just trying to figure out how to outwit and outplay him anyway and I just love it I I can't remember I've been watching golf my whole life I can't remember another golfer whose physical gifts seem so intimidating, and yet it still felt like you could get him when well, it really the, mattered right the, that that's that's the thing right the. There, there is a guy out there who had the physical gifts that put him so far above everybody else. We felt like we'd never seen it before, and that was Tiger Woods. Yeah, but he, but you couldn't get Tiger. And That's it, what made him the goat. Him. That's like, right. That's he had right. all the gifts, and he yeah. crushed you. Yeah. I guess the last going back, like Greg Norman, I felt like athletically, and I don't know if the stats back this up, but just like in the moment, watching golf from basically late eighties through the mid nineties, it just felt like he was the most talented one. Like if you, if you're just taking a talent test, he had the most, but then he's another one, you know, he was super, that's gettable. why there's, there's a 30 super. for 30 being made about it right now. You right. know, he's very, very gettable, Greg Norman. Yeah. You could, you could get him on the, anyway, the Bryson thing I think is great for golf and who knows if we'll ever, ever see Tiger again. And at the age he's hitting pretty soon, it's probably not happening for him anymore, but the golf yeah. is really positioned nicely well, with these guys. Congratulations to the PGA tour for getting the event in the moment that they, that, you know, this, this contrived playoff thing that they've come up with where, yeah. you know, they put $15 million on the line because the guys don't win enough money through the 45 events that they play Yeah, they're and try and create, but look, they, they, they deliberately put it into this August time window because it's quiet on the sports calendar. And by God, we're 15 years in with this thing. They grabbed a Sunday afternoon. They were the dominant thing on television and across the whole sporting community here in these United States of America. Everybody's tweeting it. Everybody's talking it. So congrats to the tour. Yeah, we had some good baseball today. There's preseason football. There was Little League World Series. And I was not expecting golf. Jake Paul was happening at some point. Today we're taping this late Sunday afternoon. Um, Greatest BMW commercial I think I've ever watched. That's my takeaway from today, this, this <laughs> golf tournament. Think about that. You Didn't you text us BMW should give these guys both a million-dollar bonus? They should. I mean, yeah. they got six extra playoff holes of people just saying BMW, BMW, BMW. 
I thought putting the car on the tee was the smartest thing I've ever seen. I think they should have had like BMW golf carts. As you know, <laughs> I'm I'm the all-time BMW guy. You so are they, a that was why I was watching the tournament because I was like, I have to support my BMW guys. A Beamer loyalist. You are uh, that if nothing else. All right, we're gonna do some uh basketball over-unders really quickly, and then we're gonna bring sharp. So FanDuel. I was going, look, we love FanDuel. Those are our people. We know everybody behind the scenes. And they were basically like, yeah, we haven't put out our over-unders yet because it's all football, football, football. We'll get to it. And I was just like, all right, guys, you're, it hurts my feelings. I have, I have to cheat on you. I have to go online and I have to, I have to get dirty. I have to go, go, go see a hooker to I mean, get my, get my dirty odds. The the post free agency numbers, you know, once the, like most of the free agency dust has settled, it seems like have been out for three weeks. I've been, I've been, I've been checking some sites. There's some well, bets I've wanted to make. FanDuel said they're coming and uh, okay. we'll let you know on this podcast when they're out, they, they, they like to like to get them out there when you know the football's calmed down a tiny bit. We're gonna we're gonna still bat some around though because we the initial thoughts. ones are out. Some Vegas, some of the casinos have the stuff. Yeah, we have and, thoughts. Yeah, we have some thoughts. So, first of all, um, actually, let's take a break and then we'll give you our thoughts. Hi, I'm Miso Kwonga. I'm Ian Wright. And I'm Ryan Hun. And collectively, we are the Studio Podcast and Wrighty's House on the Ring FC feed. Yes, we are. And we come to you three times a week on the Ring FC feed. Bringing love. We're bringing love and football. So if you like zooming out and zooming in on football and all the stuff around it, make sure you follow Ring FC on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. How's that, Rye? I reckon I'll do. Yeah, man. Okay, so these are the over-unders um, that we found online. They're right around. Some sites some sites, and some uh, some of the casinos might be off by a half win, but these are, are generally the ones. The shocking thing to me, the Nets are 55, 55 and a half in that range. They have the best odds. Milwaukee, 54 and a half. Lakers, 52 and a half. Philly, 51 and a half. What, what jumped out first as I looked at this was they seem to think this league's going to have a lot of parity this year. Because even if you go back and you look at the last full 82-game seasons, there's always teams that win 60 games. You might have two. You'll have somewhere between four to six winning at least like 53. So I looked at these odds, and then you look at the bottom half where the lowest was OKC at 22.5, Orlando's 23.5, Detroit's 25.5. They seem to feel like it's one of these leagues now where everybody's going to be between like 25 and 55 games. I'm not sure I feel that way, House. It's, I think we're going to have some good teams. Yes, it's the way they set the number. And I understand at this juncture, right, we're, it's still August. We're 51 days away from the first NBA game. I counted on the calendar. Um, that it, I, I think they gave some room for some of these numbers to get driven by, by public sentiment, which kind of mm. makes sense to me. Like, we usually have... Um, numbers in the 56, 57, maybe even 58 range, right? Yes. Uh, and and these these numbers look like just um, markers, right? Like trial balloons. They're just floating them out there to see what kind of reactions. Because some of these have moved, like the Knicks have already moved two full games. And we'll talk about the Knicks at some point. But Well, maybe that's why Fan Fandle's playing it smart. Maybe they're man, waiting until they, everybody's getting their little test stuff out and then they're yeah. going to get it right. Yeah, yeah, the Knicks moved two games up or down? Up. Well, they opened at 40 and a half, I, I saw on, on some books, and now they're at 42 and a half on what we're looking at right now. Well, that's dumb. Um, all right. Which so is just still quick, fine. 
Let's go through some of the teams we're not going to talk about. Brooklyn, look, Godspeed if you want to bet on the Brooklyn over-under. You're betting on Kyrie could disappear for two weeks. You're betting on a bunch of injury possibility. I definitely wouldn't bet the under because if that team stays healthy, you know, they could win 65 games. But I just don't trust it. It's not fun to root for them. That's stay away. Milwaukee's 54 and a half. I like that one because the continuity, but at the same time, like they won the title. I think their goal is just going to be to get to the finals again. And I don't see them like chasing like a 60 wins. Why you're making a face. You like that one a little more than me. I like it a little more just because of how serious they have taken the regular season in years past. And uh, I do think that the East is improved. So the idea that they're a tiny bit down is reasonable to me. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, they lost PJ Tucker. Do you really, is that a loss? I, I don't know. But they it's certainly picked, not a loss offensively. <laughs> they picked up George Hill, Grayson They're going to miss his zero points a game. And at some point, Dante DiVincenzo, who apparently yes. is a very important guy, will be back on this team. And I think they can like just cruise along to like 57 wins because 55 wins, that's 55 and what, 27? Great, great math house. You did That's it. a lot you, of losses. You That's pulled a, it off, buddy. 27 is a lot of losses. You know what I mean? So I looked at the last full season we had was the 2019 season. The Bucks were 60-22. Toronto was 58-24. Golden State was 57-25. and 25. So those are the three teams that are higher than every over-under we had. But if you go back to the uh, 2016-17 season, when your beloved Wizards were a four seed. Yeah. Congrats. 49 and 33. But the East was won by the Celtics at 53 and 29. LeBron, uh, his last year with the Cavs, they were 51-31. Toronto's 51-31. Washington was 49 and 33. On the other side, Golden State won 67. San Antonio won 61. My point is, we have seen conferences when there's parity on one of the conferences where the wins come down. I still feel like Brooklyn or Milwaukee, if they wanted to, could could be 60 plus pretty easily I'm if glad they wanted you, to. I'm glad you just made that point and reemphasized it because that's the other thing. Every year we we just continue to creep more and more towards the regular season becoming less and less compelling, less and less relevant. Teams looking for opportunities to rest. Well, do you what you think that's why the winds are down because of the resting bit, epidemic last year? That's possible. Tiny bit for sure. Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, we you know we've we've seen it. There, we have proof uh, of concept that that teams will rest guys in an unpredictable way, at least unpredictable to us. And you know, rest is important. And you know, the league now really emphasizes the playoffs, so teams are willing to sacrifice regular season positioning for the playoffs. And you also have the play-in tournament, so it's not like, oh my God, if we're a nine seed, we're actually out. Like you can kind of linger around, like your sad-ass Wizards team did last year. Um, they were wonderful. Um, so just stay away more. I think stay away for now. I don't want to step on the seven-hour podcast we're doing the Priscilla probably on like well, October fifteenth. Well, why don't we talk about? I'm what just going like. to point about a couple. Yeah, I'm going to point out a couple. I know what uh, I like. Well, just going down in descending order. The Utah 51 and a half jumped out at me a little bit. I think it's a stay away, but that seemed high because I think the West and the league in general will be better this year. And so I don't I, think they improved. I think both Utah and Phoenix are two of my absolute favorites on the board at 51 and a half at what we're looking at. Unders or overs? Overs. Because both of those teams, uh, um, Utah was 52 uh, and 20 last year. Yeah. And uh, Phoenix had 51 wins. 
So we've basically like given them an additional 10 games to play with to, to hit the over. And I like the formula of both of those teams. Both of those teams have essentially kind of reloaded, prepared themselves to run it back. And I think the West is down. I think both Denver and the Clippers, look at their numbers. The yep. injuries to Jamal Murray and to Kawhi Leonard means to me that the West is is gettable. So those guys that you well, wait, formula, hold on. Let me give those Phoenix numbers. Formula. Go ahead. Denver's 47 and a half. The Clippers are 44 and a half. I'm not touching either one of those, right? Yeah. Because I have no idea when uh, Jamal Murray's coming back. I have no idea whether Kawhi Leonard's coming back. But those numbers reflect the softness in the West. And so the opportunity is there for teams like Utah and Phoenix with proven newfound success, formulas that work, the personnel is there for them to just go right back out, you know, throw, roll the ball on the court and go get 52 wins. I like that for both of them. I don't like the wear and tear on Phoenix last season. And I'm not convinced we'll get Chris Paul ever as healthy as he was last year. But you you have additional games to sort of spread it out, right? You can get the rest and still get, you know, to that 52 win. Uh, uh, I get it. Threshold. He, that's all. That's my thesis. That's all. Here's what matters in the West, because we're going to see way more resting. But you still want to be one of the top four seeds. You still want home court in round one. So the Lakers are the top right now in the West. They're 52 and a half. They'll be in the top four unless they have another injury epidemic. And then you figure Utah with the infrastructure will be somewhere between like 48, 52 wins. I'm less bullish on Phoenix than you only because I do think there was real wear and tear on them from the playoffs last year. But then you have the, you mentioned Denver and the Clippers as teams that dropped because of injury. But you have Golden State coming back. Now they're saying Clay is probably not going to be ready till Christmas. And they're going to have a lot of young guys. So I, initially I was like, oh, I'm going to love the Golden State over. But 49 and 33 would have I to beat it. I don't love it. I think that's a stay away. They're working in a lot of young guys at the beginning yeah. of the year. And then yeah. Clay's basically playing two thirds of the season. Then you have Draymond torching Steve Kerr and Bob Myers. That's a bad start. So <laughs> you don't like I feel that? Like that's a stay away too. The first West one. So you said you liked Utah Phoenix. The first West one I really like is Dallas. Dallas is 47 and a half. And this is a whole package thing to me. I'm not allowed to bet on the MVP because I have an MVP vote. Luca has the best MVP odds. He's the only one lower than five to one. I think he's plus 440. Porzingis is healthy, we think. Um, they improved the team. Did they? With, uh, I feel like they did. I think they added better shooters. And I think the Carlisle thing was getting weird. I think that whole situation with the front office, all that stuff, um, I just feel like now it's like it's Lucas' team. We gave him an extension. Uh, we, we're going to have a drama-free year, basically. But this is really a Luca bet. If he's great, we talk about this every year we do over-unders. If he's great and he's going to be healthy the whole year, then that should be worth 50 wins. The question for me is, is it like where Giannis got to three, four years ago where it's like, if we have this guy on our team and we're healthy, it's a rule we win 50 games because we have this guy. So I, I'm feeling impatient, and I'm going to just acknowledge up front that it's ridiculous to be impatient about Luca because he's, what, 24 now? Yeah, this um, is year 2018 draft. This is year four. Year year two was interrupted, and yet last year they had all the shit. They had COVID stuff. They had 
a bunch of injuries started the season. Remember, they were like, what, 8-15 and 15 at one point? And then they were like a 55-win team from that point on. Yeah, but they needed it to be to, to get into the playoff position that they had. And they lost in the first round of the playoffs again. And he showed up out of shape. Because he wasn't prepared. Well, but they, you season. can't blame him on that, though, because they didn't know the season was going to start that it, fast. It is what it is. He had it is the what it is. lowest right. MVP odds uh, last season as well and was not really re relevant to the conversation. I mean, there was a little murmur um, in the second half because they went on the terror that they went on. But Dallas needs to show me like that. That to me is a stay away. I understand the point you're making. If indeed. All right. You believe that he is going to win the MVP this year then that number is an achievable number. I just need to see it out of them. They got to do something. One time, Dallas, do something. I think they'll be better. And I think they were basically a 50-win team the last two-thirds of the season last year. Okay. That's my case. Denver, uh, Atlanta, 46 and a half. That one seemed... <laughs> that Atlanta and Boston at 46 and a half, both of those seemed high to me. Now, I know Atlanta is another team that, what were they, 30 and 11 down the stretch or whatever? And, yes. You know, but not having a Kwangu, he's he's out for uh, most of the season, it looks like. And then, you know, they got a couple guys playing for new contracts, yeah, but, potentially. But Hunter's coming back. I mean, they we remember that, that, that tear that they went on was mostly without Hunter, and they, was, they were entirely without Hunter for the playoffs. I mean, did he, he play two games even? So if we think Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Philly are the top three in the East, barring some sort of weird Simmons trade, and we, Philly's over-under is 51 and a half, um, that's a stay away because we have no idea where Simmons is going. That's right. And the we have no seed, idea yeah, how many games Embiid's going to play. The four seed, Vegas is saying Miami at 48 and a half is the best bet to be a four seed versus Atlanta at 46 and a half. Your point earlier is, is the point. The East is just better. The East, which usually had six, seven shit teams, now has 12 good teams or 12 decent teams, I should say, or yeah. 12 teams that at least night to night are going to stick up for themselves and play pretty well. And I like the Miami 48 and a half a little more than the Atlanta 46 and a half. I don't really like either, though. I wouldn't at this point, I wouldn't bet on either. The 48 and a half seems high to me for Miami. Well, I mean, it depends on it depends on whether you believe what kind of upgrade are you are you going to build in with with Lowry? And a big part of that is your view of that Lowry Jimmy Butler chemistry. Like, what do you how, what what that? How much do you invest in that intangible? I would just rather bet on them to like win the division or win the East than I would for the over because the wins. I'd say I, it's going to be minus one ten, minus one fifteen, even whatever it is. I'm not really getting odds and. For them to go 49 and 33 would mean that Lowry stayed healthy the whole year and a couple of their other, you know, bench bets came through and stuff like that. I I think the East is going to be good. I, the 46 and a half for the Celtics seems too high to me too. I agree with this, that, that number being too high for the Celtics. I don't think that the Celtics got better in the offseason. If, if you told me we're going to go 46 and 36 next year, I would take it right now. I've been all of the moves that the Celtics have made in the offseason with um, Brad Stevens as the GM have led to some very funny text exchanges amongst our group where I've had the rare opportunity to refer to him as Brad Stevens Grunfeld because a lot I didn't of these, I didn't appreciate that at all. <laughs> I'm just, just telling you, a I lot didn't. of these moves, these feel very familiar to me. Oh, Josh Richardson was good three years ago, right? We saw him be good in Miami. So he'll come here and be good, won't he? Al Horford's 35 years old and contributed 
um, to us, you know, a few years ago in the playoffs. We can rekindle that, right? Uh, now, Schroeder, you got three. That, that was a uh, Schroeder was a know, steal. That's fine. As, as long as he's not a dick in the locker room. I, I, look, best of luck. Every move they made was a move for to have a tradable contract. Like I, I'm not making an excuse. I'm not. I, I'm not trying to spin it. Like they're trying to construct this roster where if somebody becomes available, they can make a move, and they have a bunch of tradable contracts. Robert Williams at 12 million a year. Marcus Smart at 17. Horford's contract you can buy out next year. You go on and on. They're waiting to trade with your guy. <laughs> with your guy, Tommy Shepard, the above the rim, happening. the above it the rim star, Tommy Shepard. It ain't happening. As soon as Brad goes on the market, as soon as Brad goes on, on eBay, we're, no. we got our bid ready with a lot no, of picks. You're, 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 he's, that's a miscalculation about what the wall, the, the ultimate goal here in Washington is. Let's 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 wait. Um, let's, let's let's blow yeah. through. Yeah, give me well, your well, single don't favorite. Don't go through all of my absolute. No, we're not going through all of them. Thank you. I'm, uh, this is perfect. We got to save it for Rosillo. We're going seven hours on like October 14th. So I don't want to step on it too much. The Indiana Pacers over 42 and a half is by far my favorite number on this board. Loved if, it. We, if FanDuel, as soon as FanDuel, well, I don't want to say this. I'll just leave it at that. I'm enthusiastic. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to say anything about what my goals are, my intentions, what I think should happen in the marketplace. I just would like to observe that I, I, I think the Indiana Pacers are well positioned to have a good season. Uh, in 2021. Yeah. That's all can, I'm going to say. Can they go 43 and 39? Yes. I believe I, so. And That's also, all like, I'll say. Pretty crazy that they had the same over-under as the Bulls, who are really a serious threat to give up 160 points in a game. <laughs> it's going to be... That's a team. Any scores marking that Bulls game be like, oh, I might be able to get 70 in this one. You had the homie Jason Goff on on Friday. Yeah. Just brilliant. The cocaine 80s are back, baby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I loved it Jason so Goff nailed it. Yeah, he um, killed it with that Bulls. They ain't playing no defense. They're just gonna, it's going to be terrific. I can't wait to watch this Bulls team. I love Pacers 42 and a half. I'm glad yes. you agreed on that one. Minnesota 33 and a half. There's going to be three or four shit teams just by rolling the West. I don't know how Minnesota's better. Yeah. Uh, I don't like their team. I don't think it's well constructed. <laughs> There's, and uh, I just feel like that was one that jumped out as too high to me. But my favorite one, House, is the Orlando Magic at twenty three and a half under. You're gonna you're gonna play that under, like that to uh, me is the most logical, easiest under that I've seen in a couple years. What? How is that team going to be good? They have a bunch of dudes coming off knee surgery, a bunch of forwards who all play the same position. And a backcourt of, I like Suggs, but it's yeah. like this weird, super young backcourt of Suggs and Anthony and RJ Hampton. They have a new coach who's never coached before, who, if he was a good coach, I feel like Dallas would have hired him, Jamal Mosley. Dallas was like, cool, let him go. <laughs> um, see, and, and they have an obvious incentive to play for a number one pick. Like Detroit doesn't have to tank, right? They, they got Cade. Houston... Might end up tanking inadvertently. They're I like twenty six and a half. I, I think I like the Houston John, under too. As long as John Wall's on Houston, I like that under. 
but Houston, at least they already got their prize. Orlando hasn't gotten their prize yet. Suggs yeah. is like a semi-prize, but I like they have it. a chance to be the number one pick. Yeah, I like where you're going with this one. Because OKC is a stay away because yeah. they, you know, they have SGA and Dort and they'll have I, guys that actually try. I have another one on here I don't want to talk about because I'm I'm very nervous now after we talked about Indiana that we're going to wake up the, later this week and the numbers are going to be in places that we're Just uncomfortable with. Just give it to with. us. Give it to the really people like, on it. I really like Cleveland. I really like what Cleveland did. You like I really, the over. I do too. I like, I like them adding Markin in. I, Me too. I, I believe in Jared Allen. I, I think... Uh, I uh, love Sex, Mo- Mobley was my favorite pick in the draft. Sexland is going to be wonderful. Like, I think that team is is all of a sudden um, a, 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 a must-watch on, on the uh, NBA TV. We agree. All right, so okay. your favorite, your single favorite over-under tentatively before FanDuel posts the odds is... Pacers, 42 Pacers, 42 and a half. My single favorite is Orlando under 23 and a half. Sorry, Kevin Clark. All right, that's it for part one of the podcast. Remember, part two is coming up in a little bit. It's me and Warren Sharp and Joe House talking NFL sleepers and grenades for the 2021 season. You're not going to want to miss this one. This gets uh, very lively in in a bunch of different spots. I will see you there for part two. This podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton, who loves part two because we talked about Mac Jones. (laughs) 